Buckle up, friends, and welcome to the Thriving Alcohol-Free Podcast. I'm your host, Deb, otherwise known as Mocktail Mom, a retired wine drinker that finally got sick and tired of spinning on life's broken record called Detox to Retox. Let this podcast be an encouragement to you if alcohol is maybe a form of self-care for you, or you find yourself dragging through the day waiting to pour another glass. I am excited to share with you the fun of discovering new things to drink when you aren't drinking and the joy of waking up each day without a hangover. It is an honor to serve as your sober fun guide. So sit back and relax or keep doing whatever it is you're doing. This show is produced for you with love from the great state of Kentucky. Thanks so much for being here and big time cheers. Hey friends, it's Deb. Welcome to Thriving Alcohol Free with Mocktail Mom. I am so excited. I can't even tell you how thrilled I am today. I feel so absolutely honored. I I cannot even believe my guest said yes when I reached out to him to invite him to come on the podcast with me today. But today, William Porter is my guest. And um, William, I just wish we had like the clapping sounds, like, oh, all the clapping. Like, thank you for being here. You are such a pioneer in the sober space. Um, William is the author, if anybody doesn't know, of Alcohol Explained. And in my membership this month, in June, I should say, in June, we are reading your book. We're reading your first book, um, Alcohol right, Explained, okay. as um, as... And anybody in my membership can read it and and review it. You know, we're not having like a book club necessarily, but if anybody in the membership wants to read it, this is the book that we are reading. It's the kickoff book for um, our book review series. So I'm so thrilled to have you um, today. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure thank to be you. here. And you are nine years alcohol-free. Nine years. Yeah, well, nine and a half now. Nine, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, 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 nine and a couple months, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, nine and a half. It's, yeah, yeah, because it was February. So February next year will be ten years for maybe my wow. decade. Yeah, wow! Yeah. So, mm. what did you think? What What did you think it would be like breaking up with alcohol? What did you? <laughs> so at the time, I I was a binge drinker, and and when I finally quit, I was coming out of a five day mm. drinking binge. And when I say five days, it was literally waking up drinking, falling back to sleep. So people quite often ask me, you know, were you really excited to stop? What were your thoughts? And honestly, I don't think I had much in the way of coherent thoughts for those first few days. I was in quite a bad way. Mm. And I think all I had in mind is that I can't keep doing this. This is just getting ridiculous. Um, And I had to stop. And wow. I think, as I say, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have much in the way of coherent thoughts other than that. So I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, slowly, slowly got back together again. Such great. Yeah, just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Did you ever imagine that you would have such a smash success with your first book, <laughs> with Alcohol Explained? No, I mean, no. on, on Amazon alone, right? You have like over almost 6,000 five, almost five star reviews. I mean, it's phenomenal, absolute phenomenal success. Yeah, no, you, I I think writing a book, it's always a very personal thing. And I always say to people, you should write for the pleasure of writing. And I obviously writing a book like our colleague explained was hugely cathartic anyway. It was massively helpful with my own journey into sobriety. Um, but no, I think you always, you, you hope for the best and prepare mentally for the worst. <laughs> That's good advice. But, That's so true, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, even then it was, I, I, yeah, it was just, it, it surpassed even my, you know, mm. wildest dreams really. It was, yeah. Wow. Really wow. amazing. 
Absolutely mm. incredible. I actually, okay, so I've, you were one of the first accounts I followed way back when. when I, I've been alcohol-free since, let's see, December 31st, 2020 was my first day okay. not drinking. Right. So right at the end of 2020, broke up yep. with uh, with Chardonnay. And you were one of the first accounts and Sober Dave was one oh, yeah. of the first accounts that I <laughs> yeah. followed. Um, and I just, I saw that you guys were just recently together at an event with Be Sober. That's right. And um, did you meet Barbara? Barbara meet- was there. Yes, we finally yes. met. Yeah, yeah. I love her. We did an yeah. Instagram live together. I love her. Yeah, she's yes. crazy. It's funny yes. because it, one of the great things about sort of technology and lockdown is it's it opened up a whole new world of like communicating by video. So totally. you got to know so many great people all over the world in the sober sphere that you can't beat meeting in person. Oh, and it was so ha- yeah. nice to do that weekend and actually meet people because I've you know I've known some of these people for years and just never wow. met them in person. Isn't that amazing? And you know them. I mean, you really like we really, really know, know each. Them. We really yeah. know them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's people in my sober community, right? I really know, but I've never met in person. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, yeah. the IRL, right? IRL. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So, how has your life changed for the better? How has thing? How have things changed for the better since? Um, in that nine years? So I think more than I could ever imagined, Mm. to be honest, because like I say, I was a binge drinker. So what I always thought, I drank a lot of the the weekend, I'd feel bad kind of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I thought I was back to normal Mm. um, and functioning at 100%. But what I've learned since stopping is, I thought that was 100%, but it was probably... 30 or 40% of what I finally got to. There's obviously, there's there's a lot of different reasons for that. But, you know, one of the big ones is the impact on sleep. People don't realize the massive impact alcohol has on sleep. And you don't recover from that within a few days. It takes weeks and weeks to build up a good sleeping pattern and get back to normal. So I think that that was one of the nicest Hmm. um, and most surprising things is that when I quit, I thought, my mindset when I quit is I can't keep doing this, but I am losing a very good friend because I deal with stress. I socialize using alcohol. I do all of these things. And what I think was a nice surprise is realizing that it wasn't a friend for anything. Mm-hmm. And all the stuff I thought I needed alcohol like, to do, like for socializing and relieving anxiety and stress and all the rest of it, I didn't need it. I could do it perfectly well without it. And then to discover that what I thought was 100% was only like 30% and I was just getting better and better and better. And Mm. it was like, wow, why have I wasted all that time drinking? It's astounding. It is. It is. It's amazing, isn't it? When yeah, Yeah. you're like at this, you know, you're at a low level, you don't even realize it. You think you're at maximum capacity Mm. and then getting rid of the alcohol, the difference that it makes. Yeah. What other impacts besides sleep? Um, so energy was a massive one. I mean, obviously sleep impacts energy massively sure. anyway, but what I didn't appreciate at the time was you know, one of the other things alcohol does is it puts our heart rate up quite massively. You know, when people wake up at three or four in the morning and their heart's hammering away, that follows I thought, you around. I just thought it was because I was aging. No, <laughs> I didn't know what, no, 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 Yeah, yeah. Strange. I just thought it was, you know, I'm 51 now, William. And so I thought it was just because I was aging. No, but no, yeah, no, it's not, not is it? No, it's not normal and it's not good for you because... It's very simply, when your heart rate goes up, you feel tired and you want to sit down. So why exercise is difficult. It's a built-in mechanism to stop mm. you running and running and running until you have a heart attack. You know, your heart gets faster and faster and your desire to sit down and rest increases. So when you're drinking regularly with that heart rate being up all the time, you just feel heavy and lethargic. 
And it, and it was another thing that I found that was just really nice because, again, I put it down to I'm getting on, I've got young kids, of course I'm tired all the time, not realizing that it was actually the alcohol that was making me tired all the time. And I found, you know, sleeping better. But then with my heart rate going back to normal, I found I just had more energy. Energy. And the energy has, um, I remember a teacher at school always used to say to me, a healthy body is a healthy mind. Mm. One of those stupid things people, you know, <laughs> school <laughs> say, you think, oh, shut up. But actually, <laughs> I didn't realize but how true that is. When you feel good physically, I love that. you don't always feel good mentally, but it does give you a lift. When you're feeling like well-rested and energetic, you're just approaching things from a, you know, a far better starting point. Absolutely. Absolutely. What would you say, how would you explain the effects that alcohol has on like depression? Like I'm not a person who's typically depressed, but I was feeling very depressed. I was feeling very down, uh, especially towards the end of my drinking career. Um, And I know that's not uncommon. Now I know it's not uncommon. You know, now I know that's, so yeah. How would you explain kind of that, the effect that alcohol has on our, our mood and our levels of depression. Yeah, absolutely. So, so alcohol alcohol is a drug. A lot of people struggle with that because we often talk about alcohol and drugs as if it's mm. two completely separate things, but it, it is a drug um, and it's a depressant, a sedative. Um, when I use the word depressant, I'm using it in its chemical sense as something that decreases or inhibits nerve activity. Now, the problem is your brain creates and releases a huge array of chemicals, drugs and hormones that it creates and excretes itself. So a lot of these you would have heard of, like um, adrenaline and cortisol and endorphins and dopamine. There's a huge array of all these chemicals. Um, and essentially what your body does, it, or your brain does, it tries to work by something called homeostasis, which is a balance of all these different chemicals, drugs and hormones. So when you, you introduce something like alcohol, which is a sedative, your brain senses that there's been a disturbance of this homeostasis and it tries to counter it. So it does it in lots and lots of different ways, but essentially what it amounts to is it's becoming hypersensitive so it can work under the sedating effects of the alcohol. Okay. Um, So, for example, heavy drinkers often have large amounts of cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Now, what what the brain is doing, it's trying to counter the sedating effects of the alcohol by releasing all of these stimulants to try and counter it. The problem is the alcohol then wears off and this oversensitization, all these stimulants are still left in your system. So you're left kind of anxious and a bit out of sorts. That's what anxiety is. You know, anxiety. you hear that colloquial term about that anxious feeling you get after you've been drinking. That, that, that That's the physiological and chemical reason for it. I quite often think of it as a set of old fashioned weighing scales with the bar in the middle. And on mm. the one hand, you've got stimulants. On the other hand, you've got the sedatives. And it's all nicely balanced, you feel okay. If you lump a load on the sedative, the depressant side, the scale tips. So your brain tries to tip it the other way by putting more on the stimulant side. And then, of course, the alcohol wears off and it tips the other way. So That's a perfect analogy. Mm-hmm. Simple way of thinking about it is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So whatever sedating, dulled effect you get from having an alcoholic drink, there's a corresponding feeling of anxiety when it wears off. So that has a massive impact on your mental health on its own because it's constantly raising your anxiety levels. But having spoken about sleep, that, that's one of the big things it does with sleep. So there's different types of sleep. And one of the most important ones in humans is REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement sleep. Um, 
when you're in REM sleep, your brain lights up almost as if you're fully awake. It's this really strange part mm. of sleep. Um, and they've done a lot of studies and what, what we're starting to understand now, it, it's literally refining your brain capacity. REM sleep is massively important. Um, when you drink alcohol, because it's a sedative, your brain, your brain can't go into REM sleep because it's too sedated to raise up into that almost awake stage. So normally, if you're not drinking, you go through six or seven rounds of REM sleep. When you're drinking, you go through normally two. Wow. So there's this massive reduction in REM sleep. This has a huge impact on your mental health. People who sleep, who have less REM sleep, have massively increased anxiety and depression. They've done tests on people where they've, what they do is, sounds, <laughs> sounds awful. They attach sensors to them okay. and you sleep. And when you go into REM sleep, they wake you up. So they let you have as much sleep as you want, but they starve you of REM sleep. Interesting. Now, the problem with it is people give up on the studies. They become very depressed and disorientated and they they can't carry on with the study. And it's amazing to think when you drink alcohol, that's exactly what you're doing. You're starving yourself of this very important REM sleep. So all of these things, it has a massive knock-on effect on, on your mental health. Knock-on effect. I love that. That's a British term, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, right. <laughs> sorry. Listening, a knock-on effect, yes. <laughs> I like that, a knock-on effect. <laughs> You're there to translate all these. Uh, <laughs> That's okay, yes. I know we have some listeners in the UK, but most are here in the United States. Okay. <laughs> but I love it. Yes. No, I yeah. love it. And we love your accent. Yes, we're very thankful. Yes, very good. Um, yeah, I mean, my sleep is is incredibly changed since breaking up with alcohol, right? I, I used to wake mm. up at 3 a.m. and I just thought it was normal to wake up sweating and the room is spinning. And That 3 a.m. wake up, it, it can be timed. It's almost exactly five hours after your last drink and it's where really? the alcohol wears off enough for the sedatives to kick in. I quite often liken drinking alcohol. Imagine if you sleep from, say, I don't know, seven in the well, 11 at night to seven in the morning. So that's your eight hours in bed. Drinking alcohol is like setting an alarm for 3 or 4 a.m. and waking up and drinking three huge jugs of strong black coffee. Wow. That's what you're doing to yourself because of all those stimulants that are flooding your system to counter the alcohol. And then, of course, people wonder why they're <laughs> tired and lethargic all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why we feel terrible. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's so, I mean, it's isn't it so sad like that the culture you know, especially like the advertising, you know, the marketing messages that are sent out to us is that like alcohol is going to help. It's going to help us, you know, be a better mom, be more relaxed, mm. be a better dad, you know, get through your job, get through stress or, or celebrate, you know, it's kind of for both. It's, it's everything. It's yeah. marketed for everything, right? It's marketed as this blanket to help with good times and help with bad times, you know? Mm. So has, ha, do you feel like things have changed a lot in terms of like the sober space? Um, oh, since you, yeah, yeah, yeah. How's it, how's it changed in the, in the sober space since you stopped drinking? So since what, you wrote what, your book even. When I wrote my book and stopped drinking, there was really only AA out there. That was the mm -hmm. only thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and since then it's changed. And I think there's so many ways we could talk about how it's changed. But for me, the biggest and most important change is 10 years ago, mm. you would wake up feeling awful and you would say, am I an alcoholic? And if the answer was yes, you'd go to AA and try and quit drinking. And if the answer was no, you'd go few and carry on, but maybe try and cut back a bit. Now, 
we're looking at it a completely different way. What we're looking at it is no matter how much you're drinking, whether you think you're addicted or not addicted or whatever, the simple fact is, is it serving you? Are you mm. getting more out of it than you're putting in? Um, and, and the answer is, is no. People may believe it. Like people think I need it to relax. I need, some people still believe they need it to sleep. I need sure. it to socialize. A party is not as much fun without alcohol. All of these things are completely untrue. And I think when you, th this is one of the very important things because when people are start to look at it a slightly different way, instead of thinking, do I have a problem? They think, well, forget that. Do I really need it? Do yeah. I need it to enjoy, enjoy social occasions? Isn't there another way I can enjoy social occasions? I used to enjoy social occasions as a kid without drinking. Why is it as soon <laughs> as you start? That's very true. Yeah, Isn't that exactly. true, right? When yeah. I was right, 14, 15, right? It was never, I didn't have social anxiety. Well, no. I don't think I've ever had social anxiety, but you know, there, I wasn't looking for reasons to, to numb out. No, well, I, I, I was always, I, I've never been the most sociable of people and I would turn up as a youngster at a party really nervous. Mm. Eventually, I would settle into it and enjoy it. And that's true of social interactions. And then you discover alcohol, so you can, you, you know, you can sedate that feeling of nervousness. But actually, you don't need the alcohol. You just have to wait 10, 15 minutes before you settle into it. So you don't necessarily need alcohol anyway. And I think for me, that's the biggest and most important change. It's people thinking, looking at it from the other way, rather than looking at all the reasons I should stop because of the hangovers and all the rest of it, looking at it at the other side and saying, okay, it's being sold to me as this great social elixir. One, is it? And two, do I really need it? Because if you start going that way and thinking, well, no, it isn't, and no, I don't need it, it's a much more positive way of stopping because you just don't want it anymore. Absolutely. I think yeah, just asking that question, is this serving me? Is this yeah. serving me anymore? Yeah. Is this yeah. serving me? And it is, for me, it wasn't. For me, it's not anymore. So what what do you say for some people, you know, the thought of going through life, you know, without a drink is like way, like the thought of like, never going to have a drink again is way too much to even contemplate. You know, how, like for you and, and for me now, it's the exact opposite. You know, what would you say? Can you expand on that a little bit? Like, Yeah, there's a few ways. I mean, a lot of people will say take one day at a time. So just mm -hmm. concentrate on this one day. I mean, I think if you want to stop drinking and that's your way of doing it, then go for it. But for me, it it's not ideal because when you're doing that, you're almost saying to yourself, this is a wonderful thing and I can't imagine the rest of my life without it. For mm -hmm. me, it was better to do a deep dive on why I felt that I couldn't go the rest of my life without a drink, start really analyzing it and you know, picking it apart a bit, which is really what Alcohol Explained is about. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was an, it, it, it's about going right back to basics and just going over it over and over again to try and really understand, to really get under the skin of it. So that would be the thing for me. And I think the other thing I would say, and a lot of people can relate to that if, if they used to smoke, I used to smoke cigarettes and I felt mm. exactly the same about smoking. When confronted with the thought of stopping smoking, I would be thinking, but how, how could I ever go out and not mm. smoke or you know, wake up in the morning? I haven't got a cigarette in the, in the morning. And actually, when you stop for a bit, of course you don't need it. And it's similar with drinking. It's a lot harder to see with drinking because what is it like 87% of the population drink? And when everyone's doing it, they're all buying into this idea that it is necessary for celebrations and funerals and relaxing and all the rest of it. But at its simplest, it is a drug. And 
we are all equipped to cope with life without drugs. Yep, very true. That is very true. Hmm, that's so true. Yeah, we are created to to cope without it. We are created to live without it. Yeah, mm. it's not necessary. I was not born with a bottle of Chardonnay in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the fun would be over and I thought there was nothing good to drink if I wasn't pouring Chardonnay every evening. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're thinking the fun is over. Maybe you're thinking, what on earth will I drink if I'm not drinking? So join me and the members of Thriving Alcohol Free with Mocktail Mom. We are a community of like-minded women supporting one another. Not a sober program, just a place to connect and have a good time to make some new friends that you can drink with. We have weekly happy half hours. We have daily connections, touch points where you can be supported wherever you are on your alcohol-free journey. There is no shame, whether it's day one or day 1,000 or you're just sober, curious, and you want to see what would this be like if I wasn't drinking? What options are there? So join us. Thrivingalcoholfree.com is the direct website, or you can go to mocktailmom.com and just click on membership. And I'd love to share with you some more details or reach out and we would love to be of support to you. Big time cheers. Were you a beer drinker or a wine drinker or, or whatever drinker, whatever was their I, drinker? Yeah, I mean, I, I used to drink pretty much whatever, but I, th- I suppose my drink of choice was beer. So I was a lager drinker mainly. Okay, okay. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. My last name is Pod Lager. It sounds like a, sounds like okay. a beer. Pod Lager. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I, w- I would love to chat with you a little bit about socializing um, for someone who is trying to live an alcohol-free lifestyle or... S- you know, sober, curious, or just cutting back. Um, yep. You know, when somebody goes into a pub or goes into a restaurant, are there certain things you would recommend? And one reason I'm asking this is because um, a gal in my membership, she just celebrated 400 days alcohol-free. Oh, well and on her 400th day being alcohol-free, she purchased a, or she bought a bottle, was drinking a bottle of what she thought was non-alcoholic wine. Yep. It has the same looking label, looks very yep. similar to the you know, the brand um, has a non-alcoholic and an alcoholic version looks very similar to the labels. So she drank a couple glasses and was like, oh my gosh, you know? So I guess I want to talk a little bit about that. Like how do we avoid situations like that? And then just going out and about, like how, how do we, how can we successfully socialize and still, you know, feel like part of the party, but remain kind of keep the bumper rails up, be safe, you know, in maintaining our, our alcohol free journey. Yeah, funny enough, I, I did a blog post on that a couple of weeks ago and exactly that thing, having been served a, an alcoholic version of an alcohol-free drink that I ordered. Interesting. Um, and it's happened to, the, the, the problem is we're dealing here with serving staff who are humans mm-hmm. and there is human error and there always will be, you can't avoid it. Sure. So I, I came up, it's really basic stuff, but you know, if you're ordering an alcohol-free drink, always check the label nice and easy when it comes yeah. and it, you do, that, that's not being obsessive or rude you know if people order a bottle of beer they quite often have a look at the label just yeah. to read about it so that's absolutely fine so always check the label um if you're ordering because quite a few pubs now in the uk will have alcohol free versions on tap that's so amazing it's really good but wow. the thing is just just watch them pulling it make sure mm. it's coming out of the right tap um the other thing always pay attention because I got caught out once because I was at the bar I was okay. you know when you're talking to someone and trying to order a drink so you're, you're, you know your, your um, attention's kind of pulled two ways it was quite a busy pub anyway and I leant over and I said what alcohol free drinks have you got and I couldn't hear what the the, the, the barmaid was saying but she was sort of rattling them off and I was sort of t- talking and trying to do everything at the same time uh-huh. and I just said 
that sounds fine, I'll have that one. And I had a couple of sips of it and it was like, oh, this isn't right. And it was, it was like two and a half percent. So I think what she'd done, she'd read off the alcohol-free drinks and then started off on the low alcohol, <laughs> alcohol drinks. And I just sort of, so, so, so the next tip is always pay attention. You know, if you mm. need to stop a conversation, do it. Mm. Um, and the final one is they do taste different. You can taste alcohol. So when you have that first sip, just try to stop yeah. and concentrate on it. And between those things, it's going to be very difficult to get caught out. So yeah. hopefully that will sort of cover off some of them. Be avoided, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Moving on to the next topic about doing social events sober. Now, this is, this is a hugely difficult one because most of us start drinking for social reasons. It's worth mm. just really quickly running through what happens in a social situation without drinking. One of the drugs I mentioned earlier that your brain naturally creates and excretes is are, are endorphins. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's something that makes you feel good. You feel really good when you get endorphins. There's different ways you can get an endorphin hit. You can eating a healthy meal if you're hungry, exercise, socializing gives you an endorphin hit. But we are all humans, we're all product of society and we all feel, well I certainly do, nervous around people I've not met before. So the usual dynamic with a social occasion is you turn up, you're feeling a bit nervous, a bit self-conscious. You hopefully meet someone, you find them interesting, you lose yourself in a conversation. And as you start to lose yourself in the conversation, you stop thinking about yourself and what you look like and what other people think of you. And you start to relax into the event and you get that endorphin hit and you start to really enjoy yourself. So that's alcohol-free socializing. And that's what we did as children. You know, when you went to a, a party and stuff when you were young, you don't need alcohol. You would, people wouldn't dream of going to like a 10-year-old birthday party and serving them all alcohol so they can enjoy themselves more. It's <laughs> right, right. ridiculous. It's only when we start <laughs> drinking that we suddenly find we can't enjoy social events without it. Isn't that so funny? It's mad, isn't it? So, so when you turn up at a social event, you know, teenager, 20, whatever, and you start drinking alcohol, you turn up, you feel nervous, you have this drink that's got a sedative in it, because the sedative anesthetizes the nerves, you get rid of that nervous feeling slightly earlier, which allows the endorphins to flow, which is an interesting thing because we start to think of the great pleasure in drinking as an alcohol high, but actually most of the good feeling is the endorphins, not the actual alcohol. If you sit on your own with no music, no TV, nothing, and just drink alcohol, it's a very different experience. You feel slightly dulled and tunnel vision, but it's not particularly enjoyable. But the problem is when we become reliant on that, when we've done that a couple of times, we start to approach social events thinking, I can't, you know, like if you're a designated driver or you're pregnant on your antibiotics or whatever it is, and you decide you're going to go and not drink, you don't really relax into the evening because you're at the back of your mind, you're thinking, you know, I can't have a drink, so I'm not really going to enjoy it. It's not going to be the same. So you don't relax into it. You don't sort of fall into that conversation and relax. You don't get that endorphin buzz. So our ex- when we start drinking alcohol, our experiences, I don't really enjoy social events without alcohol, but I really enjoy it with it. And of course, it gets worse and worse because the more deeply ingrained that belief come, becomes, the harder it is to enjoy yourself because you're going out thinking, I'm definitely not going to enjoy myself because I can't have yeah. a drink. So it's worth bearing that in mind because that's one of the, you know, the things with alcohol where we start to, the enjoyment is almost an illusion. It's just, mm. 
become sort of greater than the sum of its parts. Um, there's a few practical tips with going out socialising. One, you might find it incredibly intimidating, but I refer to it as the, you, you need to identify the tipping point. Because when you go out, or certainly this is what I found, when I went out, it was not universally difficult throughout the evening not to drink. There were one or two parts that were particularly challenging. The first one is when you turn up and you're asked, what would you like to drink? Because it's awkward. You have to say, well, what alcohol-free versions have you got? And then you might have a conversation. Oh, you're not drinking. And you're almost then on the defensive having to explain it. Mm -hmm. So firstly, identify these tipping points and know that they're the toughest points. So you know you're going to go. You you know decide what you're going to say beforehand. And this is intensely pow a powerful tool is to go through it in your mind. So when you've run through something in your mind a few times, you're kind of planning it out and you're ready for it. It's almost like going through the event a few times beforehand, but in your imagination. So you're ready for it. So you know what to say, how to say it, all the rest of it. So I would say try and pinpoint those tipping points um, and plan them out. Run through them in your mind a few times before you get there. The other point I would say is make sure you've got an exit strategy and make sure it's not reliant on other people. Because what I find is social events, when other people are drinking, it's time limited how long I will enjoy myself for. Because Isn't that so true. Mm -hmm. People, when they're drinking, are intensely irritating. And I mean, that, that may sound, <laughs> yes. sound very judgmental. No, you're not. It is, but they but, are. It's mm -hmm. just. They if you're not, if you're not drinking with them, yes, it's a yes. whole different experience. Yeah. Whole different experience. They mm -hmm. start standing, like they, invade, they invade your personal space. They're talking too close. They think they're funny and they're not. They repeat themselves and it's, it's awful. So I generally, it depends on the event, whether food's being served and all the rest of it, but I generally find two or three hours is about my maximum. Mm -hmm. So make sure you can leave when you need to. Because Excellent. the evening does get progressively worse and there's nothing worse than being stuck somewhere until one or two in the morning. You know, like, for example, if you're driving and you end mm -hmm. up with, this is a little tip, if you're a designated driver, this is what I will say to people, happy to take you there. I'm probably going to be leaving about nine or so. If you want to leave with me, fine. If not, you're on your own. Because, yeah, I mean, right, yeah. there's Ubers, there's cabs, there's, yeah, exactly. yeah, there's Lyft, there's, yeah, people aren't stranded. No. That's great. That's a great, great, great advice. Great tip. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, because, yeah. And I think just visualizing, I love that. Like, even like athletes, right? They, I mean, just yeah, part of their practice is yeah. visualizing. Envision yourself succeeding. Envision yourself having a good time at this event. Envision yourself with a drink in your hand. Maybe that, that does not obviously include alcohol. When mm. somebody, okay, so you mentioned like um, that first, one of the first tipping points can be, you know, when somebody says to you, what would you like to drink? When you first stopped drinking, or even now, what what do you typically say? What's your response? So uh, the, the, this, and again, it's absolutely everyone's prerogative to say whatever sure. they want. But sure. for me, it very much depends on who I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. So a lot mm -hmm. of the time I'm out these days, I'm with work colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they're, they're very nice people and I respect them and all the rest of it. But I don't owe them, I don't feel like I owe them my life story. Yep. So you, stopping drinking is obviously, it's, often a deeply personal thing yeah. and you owe nobody a full explanation if you're not comfortable with that you owe people as little or as much as you wish to tell so quite a lot of the time I will just you know 
if I'm in the right group of people, I'll explain the whole backstory and why mm-hmm. I quit and absolutely everything. And I quite enjoy doing that. Mm. But if it's a work function, for example, what I usually say is I stopped drinking when my two boys were young, which is true. Um, the reason I stopped was I wasn't really enjoying fatherhood. I was just tired and grouchy all the time and actually stopping drinking meant I was really enjoying it, which was also mm. true. Mm. And then I say, having quit, I just really enjoy not drinking and I don't want to go back to it, which is also true. Definitely. Um, so I, I would say you say as little or as much as you want. What I would caution you against, though, is coming up with excuses like, I'm on antibiotics, mm. I'm driving. Because if you say something like that, you will get people arguing against you. If you say I'm driving, they'll say, oh, have, you know, have leave. one. Yeah, or have one or leave, you know, get a cab. You're not leaving till later. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to say something that isn't the full story, my favorite one is just to say, I don't like drinking. I don't like it. Because it's very hard for people to, you know, if you say, <laughs> right, right, I don't like meat, and you're a vegetarian, yeah, and like, no, but you I should eat like it. it. Try yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. That, may, that seems really odd to some people, but it cuts the conversation dead, and it stops them saying. Because what do you say if you say I don't like it? Well, right, right. Well, you should anyway, yeah. even though you now, don't what like if it. It's, yeah, what if it's somebody? What if it's friends that you used to drink with a lot? You, you know, I mean it's summertime and you know, people are going out on the boats and patios and parties and stuff. And if these are friends maybe that you used to drink with, and now you're saying to them, I'm not drinking. I don't like drinking. They're like, no, we know you like drinking. You're the wine yeah. girl. You're the wine dad. You know, you're the beer guy. You know, then I would say, and again, it very much depends on, but you, I mean, you can say to them, I've quit. You can say, I've got a problem with alcohol and I can't drink anymore. You can say to them, I'm going alcohol free for as an experiment just to see how I'm going. And actually, I'm really enjoying it. Again, if you start putting a positive spin on it, mm-hmm. it makes it harder for them to talk you into it. I love it. If you're saying something like, oh, I'm doing a month dry, I'm just see, they kind of pick up on that and they mm-hmm. know you're not enjoying it. But if you sort of say, you know, I'm having a bit of a break from alcohol, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. And then if yeah. they start saying, well, don't you want to drink? And you can say, well, no, I just don't, don't want I one. feel so good. I feel yeah, so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that too. Like you don't owe anybody an explanation. You don't owe anybody, even a close, even your close you know, circle of friends. You exactly. don't owe them the whole story. No. You're taking a break and I'm with you. I mean, I'm having such a better time in life without alcohol than I was <laughs> with it. Such a better time. And so to, to be able to share the joy of living life without hangover, without, you know, yeah. without alcohol um, to numb me out from hard times has made all the difference. So I think it's it's a positive message as well, because people, even people who are sort of apparently very committed drinkers and they're very mm-hmm. happy with it, they're mm-hmm. still waking up in the middle of the night, not feeling good and they don't feel good the next day. And I think what can be really beneficial instead of kind of, attacking them or attacking drinking generally just pointing out the benefits of not drinking just you know I'm sleeping so well I'm feeling so good I just don't want to go back to it because you're giving them you know that seed that might fall and Mm -hmm. germinate of thinking well hang on because if they're going out and enjoying themselves without drinking surely I can do that and if I can can do do it, it why am I wiping off days and days with hangovers and all the rest of it Totally, totally. It's definitely, it's a reverse aging. It's a tip to reverse aging. You know, I mean, everybody's looking for like the best skincare and, you know, the best facial peel. I'm like, just stop drinking and, you know, you will reverse age. You will feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah. But to share the positives and, you know, definitely 
not drinking is not a magic wand on your life or anything like that. But, um, but it, it definitely improves everything for the better. It does. It's, yeah, it's for me, it's, you know, of course you have bad days. Everyone has sure. bad days, but you're starting at a better place all the time. You're slightly more confident, just feeling slightly better. You know, waking up when you're drinking, it's almost like you're defeated before the day's even started. You're just thinking of the day ahead and it's, oh my God, I can't face it. Whereas nowadays I get up and quite looking forward to just cracking on and getting on with things. Cracking on, cracking on, cracking on, (laughs) getting, waking, how did you say it? Waking up and getting on with it and cracking on. Is that what you said? I love it. Cracking on. I'm going to pick up these terms. I love it. Um, Okay. William, um, I'm all about drinking while I'm not drinking. I absolutely love um, alcohol-free options. Ironically, I was going to start, when I started my Instagram account, and I was trying to come up with a name. I was because okay. um, I was following Sober Dave and following you and following other people. I was almost sober Deb, but instead I did Mocktail Mom. I was almost okay. sober okay. Deb. That was almost my account. So yeah. I'm, I'm and I and I just love because I'm not not a sober coach or anything like that. But I love sharing alcohol free options and the good things there are to yeah. drink. So when you're not drinking, which is now for the last nine years, yeah. what? Yeah, now that you're not drinking, um, what what is there? certain thing that you drink at home, alcohol-free options, or what do you order when you go out to a restaurant? I know you said alcohol-free beers, and now there's some on tap. That's amazing. Yeah, in, yeah. In yeah, UK. so it's incredible. My usual go-to one is um, beer, because I was always a beer drinker, and I like yeah. beer. And I quite often, as well, particularly summertime, it's nice to have a cold drink of something. I'm particularly fond of Peroni alcohol-free. I don't know if you have oh, that. Really? So you, if you go to Peroni, mm. it's an Italian beer. And they've made an alcohol-free version, which I really enjoy. Nice. There's another one I had in Spain, which was one a very good, um, a very good beer, but I also really like the name. So there's a lager in Spain called Estrella Dam. Okay. Estrella Dam. Okay. It's a what very does that popular, mean? It's an alcoholic beer. So okay. they then introduced the alcohol-free version, and they've called it Free Dam. I love that. And it's it's one, a really nice beer, but two, uh, I mean, just such a great name. Great for, name, for such a great name. Yeah, freedom. Freedom. So, okay, really yes, like because not drinking is authentic freedom. It is definitely yeah, freed, freedom. Yes, really call it whatever you want. Head. It might have been a complete <laughs> accident because it's all translated from Spanish, but it, it works <laughs> really well in English. That, it works yeah, perfect, yeah. yeah. So can you purchase that in the UK or that's only available in Spain? You only got no, that they there. do have it in the UK. Yeah, okay. yeah, they do. Yeah, and in fact, funny enough, I was in a pub the other day and I said, what alcohol-free beers have you got? And they had that. So that was quite a nice surprise. Wonderful, so it's, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Are mocktails big in the UK or is it more the alcohol-free wines and the alcohol-free beer than alcohol-free so beers? I tend to drink in pubs and pubs yeah. don't tend to do cocktails as such. Okay. But when I do go, I, I love mojito. Oh, There's something yeah. about lime and mint together, which I absolutely love. And I found a cordial here, okay. which is lime and mint. So you Perfect. don't have to make it. It's literally sugar, lime, and mint all mixed up. And so you just 
pour it in a glass and put some soda in it. It's I was so going to say nice. some sparkling water and you're ready to go. Yeah, you're oh. done. Don't yeah. you love, I love like, that's kind of like pressing the easy button on a mocktail. <laughs> and I love that at home. I mean, I, honestly, like, I mean, yes, I can mix yeah. up a cocktail. I have, a, I have shaker cups and stuff, but I love to just press, pour easy. it in, put some yeah. sparkling water over it, press the easy button. I'm like, we're busy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from work and it's hot and it, particularly yeah. ride on a tube train on the way back from London and it, you're just hot and it's nice to go in and get something quickly cold yeah. and refreshing and refreshing yeah. yeah yeah and do you find that that helps you like I find having non-alcoholic drinks it helps me surf the urge like it helps me kind of if I am you know maybe hankering or tempted to drink or whatever it's like okay no I have something good to drink it's fine you know does that help you kind of get through yeah to be cravings? honest I, I sort of bit nine nine years down the li- line now I don't really mm-hmm. get cravings, no cravings anymore no I just I, I'm I'm very much done with it so yep. for me it's it, 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 I look at alcohol-free drinks as almost like an option of numerous soft. Yeah, like you could have a coffee yeah, or exactly. yeah, you could have a Pepsi, yeah, yeah. but it's like, yeah, I'm having a mojito. Yeah, it's not, yeah, a, yeah. not a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, mm. Mm, mm. Um, okay, I feel like there was like something else I wanted to ask you. Any last advice that you would like to give to maybe somebody who's listening who's sober curious? Obviously, I want them to go to alcoholexplained.com. <laughs> you can read the first five chapters Sorry. of your book for free which is amazing. You have a course. Um, yep. You have, yeah, you have all kinds of stuff on your website, all kinds of resources and other books as well. Yes. But, um, yeah. yeah so, so, I mean, that, 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 I suppose that, that for me, different things work for different people, but for yeah. me, understanding alcohol was really what gave me the key to quitting because as I say, it almost made me come, you, 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 usually with quitting something, you're sort of told, we'll make a list of all the reasons you want to quit and sort of cut it out and grit your teeth and wait and hope it sort of passes. But for me, I sort of did it the other way around. It was almost like I looked at all the reasons why I thought quitting would be hard or I wanted to continue, like how will I enjoy social events and how will I de-stress and all of these different things and sort of dig a, did a deep dive into it. We're like, well, how 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 does alcohol help us socialize and how does it help us de-stress what's going on there and I think for me getting under the skin of it looking at all the chemical and physiological and psychological processes for me I ended up with something very different I thought alcohol was this great thing for socializing and helping you de-stress and you know this integral part of culture you know weddings and funerals and everything and when you do that very pragmatic deep dive into it, you you end up with something very different and frankly, mm. something not very pleasant. And when you have that, it's far easier to just not have it. So for me, it was almost like going through that process was um, it moved alcohol from something I wanted but had to resist to something I just didn't want anymore. So there was mm. no willpower or having to resist it. I just genuinely didn't want it. Yeah. And for me, that was, as I say, that that um, that learning process, that deep dive. So, yeah, if people are interested on the website, you can read the first five chapters and that, that kind of gives you a flavor of how I approach it. It's excellent. No, it's excellent. Yeah, it's so excellent just to have that free resource available for people who are who are interested and interested in the science, you know, because everybody works, you know, everybody's mind works differently in how they approach yeah. it and how they, you know, evaluating things. So I did not pass any of my science classes, so. No, 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 but, that's, yeah. <laughs> for me, reading the, like, the, if you go right back to the scientific text, it's incredibly yep. hard to make sense of. So what I did was take the science and put it into the terms I understand it, which is 
massively, massively yes. simplified. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the chapters are so are you know short, easy to read in the sense that it's very common sense and practical. You you've brought it down to a level that, that those of us who were not science majors or you know really like you know, me. yeah yeah you know really can read that and, and dissect it no pun intended but you know you really brought it to a good level for all of us <laughs> thank so, you yes yeah thank, thank you. you so much William no I problem. I'm so thrilled to meet you I'm really honored that you said yes to come on um, Thriving Alcohol Free with Mocktail Mom I'm so honored to have you and I'm super excited for the ladies in my membership to. Um, read your book, Alcohol Explained, this summer. We're going to read it in June. We're going to have, we have a happy half hour every Thursday night. So we do oh, a happy okay. half hour and we make a mocktail or have an alcohol-free wine or something that we're featuring. And um, the last Thursday night of June, the, on the 29th, we're going to actually be um, doing a book review in the membership oh, wow, okay. of Alcohol Explained. So okay. well, I hope everyone enjoys it. <laughs> I know they will. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Yes. Okay. So thank you so much. And um, just thank you for being here. I really, really, really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Big time cheers to you for tuning in to the Thriving Alcohol-Free Podcast. I hope you will take something from today's episode and make one small change that will help you to thrive and have fun in life without alcohol. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social, send up a flare, or leave a rating and a review. I am cheering for you as you discover the world of non-alcoholic drinks and as you journey towards authentic freedom. See you in the next episode.